This is Disrupting Recruitment, a podcast focused on moving recruitment from a reactive to a proactive state. We talk to experts as well as recruitment marketers living it day to day to learn how to improve inbound as well as outbound and other recruitment marketing strategies. And it all starts now. So welcome back to another episode of Disrupting Recruitment. Today we have Brent Lasnick. Is that right? You got it. Wow. I meant to ask ask you before. We're in for a second, but you got it. Yeah. Brent's from Go Auto. And so we just wanted to chat. I uh, was just mentioning to him before we hit record that I stumbled onto their content a couple of years ago and immediately fell in love with it. And so um, super excited to have you here today. Thank you. Excited to be part of it. I know, Brent, you've listened to a few episodes, so you have an idea of what we do. So why don't we start off with telling our uh, dozen listeners or so what who you are and, and what Go Auto is all about. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so I'm Brent Plazenik, as president of Talent Acquisition with Go Auto. So for those that don't know, Go Auto is one of Canada's largest automotive dealer groups. We've been around for decades, private organization based out of Western Canada with dealerships all across the country. We're definitely one of, if not the fastest growing dealership group or an organization that has put employees and customers really at the forefront of our business. And actually, I believe was one of the, I believe actually was the first automotive dealership group to bring an in-house recruiting team on board. So that was pretty exciting. I've uh, been with them now nine and a half years. Wow. Nine and a half years. Yeah. That's crazy. Time so, flies. <laughs> when you're having fun. Tell me a little bit about um, why you guys started to make content the way you do. And actually, let's go, let's circle back to a little bit before that. Some of the roles that you're working on frequently at Go Auto and the ones that you're, some of the challenges that you're seeing in the recruitment space right now. Absolutely. So some of the main positions that we are consistently recruiting for across our group as we grow Of course, when you think about the automotive industry, you're thinking of salespeople, and we're constantly looking to develop new salespeople into the organization. We bring people in a lot of times with no experience. Um, We don't need you to sell cars before joining the organization. We have great training and development programs that can train. We can train is your personality, your cultural fit to the organization, your drive, your passion for actually succeeding and growing. Those are one of the big roles we, we consistently look to fill. Automotive service technicians, journeyman mechanics. All of our shops need them. Um, they are a very challenging role to fill as obviously as automotive turns a, a little more electric as well. And some of the younger generations getting into the trade, a lot of people are changing what they're looking for and changing what they're doing and how they're getting into that business. We need to get creative, a little more aggressive in terms of how, how we bring people into the organization that way. Some of the big things that I think have changed in the recruiting landscape in the past couple of years, and I hate to use the C word, but the COVID related is some of the entry level positions. Alberta's turning into specifically a little bit of a boom town again. We're starting to see signs around town where entry level labor, no experience needed $28 an hour. So we're competing with that and trying to get people in. And yeah, a lot of our, a lot of our sales and technician related roles, service advisors, people growing in the parts trade, people doing automotive finance, of course, and our detailers, lot attendants, all of the support stuff that are around to make it a, obviously a good place to be. Yeah. You know, I spent 
six years recruiting in dealership services. So I understand the challenge of finding mechanics. <laughs> yeah, tradespeople, I think any trade across Canada has, has been hard. Before I joined the automotive industry, I was in uh, heavy industrial construction at recruiting and pipe fitters in that world. No different than automotive service technicians yeah. in, in, in this world. Or, tradespeople are, are hard to come by. Yeah. Good tradespeople. Heavy, heavy equipment, mechanics, welders electricians they're all tough they're all tough but we I, actually do mining contracts up north in in the northwest territories where we hire heavy equipment technicians oh yeah and, and yeah it's challenging yep yeah for sure and i love what you said there about not needing to have sales experience it reminds me of good to great i don't know if you've ever read that book but one of my favorite i have yeah one of my favorite quotes from that book is i could teach a farmer to be a steel worker but i can't teach anybody to work like a farmer it's a great quote <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Talk a little bit about your content because that's what drew me in your commercials. And I s say it all the time. I'm sure you've heard me on this podcast a few times talk about like, we don't sell, you don't sell cars with written text ads. You, you don't sell, like you would never see a beer ad with a list of ingredients and the type of profile of the person who wants so why do we do that in recruitment? I don't understand why we constantly use text-based ads to try to attract candidates. And what automatically drew me to you guys is I just saw, and I don't even know how I came across it on LinkedIn, just the algorithm worked or something. And I saw this ad and it was like, it was funny. It was entertaining. And I was like, geez, if I was in, Alberta, I'd go apply there. You remember which one you saw? I don't. I've seen so many of them now. There, there was, oh, geez, I can't remember which one it was. That's okay. Our strategy has always been, from the day I started, January 2013, within GoAuto, we've always been very focused on past candidates. That's always, yeah, it's just always been one of our big focuses. So we do a lot of outbound work. LinkedIn's obviously a great tool. Uh, we do a lot of cold calling cold emailing, reaching out to people on Instagram, Facebook, Indeed, LinkedIn, wherever we can. We've always been very big on, on outbound, but of course that's very cold. So we were, we wanted to warm up the process a little bit. Recruiting marketing, uh, is, is a term that is not brand new. It's been around for a little while. I am definitely not a marketer. I have zero experience marketing, but was definitely passionate about trying to warm up that process. So we wanted to create content that was not a job ad. We wanted to create content where people were essentially sitting where they do, where they're typically scrolling through their news feeds and getting to a point where they stop and actually watch a video because they don't even realize what the video is they're watching. One of the, my favorite ad we've done um, to date, and one of them actually has my son in it. And that's my second favorite ad, but my favorite ad, <laughs> I'll talk about that one right after, because I'm sure he'll listen to this after and probably get upset with me if I don't. But my favorite ad, it's a mechanic. He's outside, he's working on cars and he finishes up a car. Somebody hands him a beer, he takes it. You're watching it. It's like snowy outside, sipping on the beer. You almost think it's an ad or a trailer for a Hallmark Christmas movie. And he keeps doing this. And then all of a sudden it, it pans out into him in the washroom in his underwear, you hear the toilet flush and you see him look in the mirror and then he sees this big, big beer gut just flopping there and he's, oh, stop working for beer. <laughs> and, and then also the Guano logo comes up. And so you've already been invested. You've already enjoyed this video. And I think it shared a little bit of our culture before you even realize 
you've watched an ad. Yeah. So that was our goal. We wanted people to keep seeing this stuff in their newsfeed. We wanted people to keep getting these fun. We have a lot of graphics, just still images of, you know, are you stuck in the wrong, wrong job? It might be a, a big hairy guy in a battle ballerina outfit and something that's just going to make you stop in your tracks instead of, Chuckle you know, your a little typical bit. Link. Yeah. How many times do you just see on LinkedIn? Hi, we're hiring. And it's literally just a share right from their ATS. And I don't know anybody who's stopping on it that. It looks the same as everybody else's. Absolutely. But these ads, people are going to stop. Whether they like them or don't like them, I think is outside of the point. I think they're still going to stop and they're still going to look at it. They might even like it. And and the goal is obviously to get people looking at it more and more. So that's really been our big focus where we started to create the content. I mentioned earlier, when we're looking for salespeople, we don't always need experience. So I mentioned the ad with my son. It was how many times you've been out to dinner and somebody's told the, the waitress or waiter server that it's your birthday. And all of a sudden they come around, they sing you that really annoying birthday th uh, song with no excitement in it. And so it's actually an ad shot in our bistro, which is a, a dining room in our head office. And it's that, it's a bunch of servers singing this birthday song to my son, who just looks miserable, unhappy, annoyed. And again, it's one of those, are you stuck in the wrong job? Or are you no longer passionate about what you're doing, but you have that skill and experience of being uh, a server, that customer service experience. And we were trying to draw people out of that industry nice. right then. So that's a little bit where it came from. Nice. I love it. I know my son hates when people sing him those songs. At my kids have several birthdays a year. <laughs> <laughs> we're not allowed to mention the birthday when we go out for birthday dinner. Like, no birthdays here. No birthdays. I the one of the ones that I, I remember, and I can't, I wish I could remember all the details of it, but it was somebody getting out of bed and they were like, dreading going to work and the alarm, the clock. alarm clock and yeah he was caught his boss was on the phone he heard the alarm when his boss was on the phone he was calling him yeah. <laughs> yeah so what you know with all of the things that you're doing what do you really see that's working really well for you right now you know the recruiting marketing is never a short-term solution it's, we don't go ahead and we don't post the, these hilarious videos or great content and expect somebody to say, wow, I want to come work for you and come work for us right away. It, it's all this low, steady approach. Outbound is still working very well for us. I remember on a previous podcast, Will Aiken was talking from a sales perspective, how sometimes he gets a little bit down because he sends all these messages and he goes, does all this outbound work and people are like, just stop calling. But then all of a sudden somebody and in my world i use the term somebody had a bad day and then all of a sudden the timing was right yeah. and so the continuous follow-up is what seems to really work and i think i don't think that's ever going to fully go away i think there's tools that might help automate it but right now we're still very personal it's a very personal touch each message each reach out whether it's a text message an email an email a phone call everything it's all very personal and all done by myself or by my team and that seems to still be working really well because while we reach out to somebody today and they say, Hey, I'm really happy where I am. I'm not interested. That's fine because not everybody's always happy forever. That's right. It just takes one bad day for them to get that message and say, you know what? I think now is the right time to talk. Yeah. In that social nurturing that you're doing with them and, and you're right. It, it is a long-term game. It's in, I know with, with Canada Hub, our, our company, 
we talk to clients and we tell them like, this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Like you can't expect to start doing something. And in 30 days, your recruitment problems are going to go away. They're never going to go away. We just try to make them a little easier. And, and so, but doing that nurturing, and this is what I talked to Tim Sackett about on a previous podcast is we really still need that sort of inbound and outbound or whatever you want to call it approach in similar to a sales you need marketing qualified leads and sales qualified leads and but if you're doing the right nurturing that outbound becomes a lot easier and yeah. if you do reach somebody and it's the wrong time well at least you've developed a little bit of a relationship and when you when they do have a bad day and maybe one of their, your funny go auto ads pops up in their feed. <laughs> they might go, oh, I remember talking to somebody there. I, I might give them. And, th and that's what recruitment marketing is all about. It's about building a relationship with a potential candidate without them even knowing it. So that when they are ready to make a move, when they feel that it's the right time, you're the person that they think of. Yeah, I truly believe that inbound and outbound are necessary. One is not better per se than the other. Um, they're both absolutely necessary. When we post a job ad, which we do there, you know, every single one of our positions, we're always going to post an ad. It's the first thing we're always going to do, but we don't just stop there. I tell my team all the time, time to fill is, is a pretty important metric of ours. And so and I think it is for, for a lot of recruiting companies. And I know some people agree with it. Some people don't, but I think when, when, when the way I talk about time to fill is as soon as the job is posted, we're already working against the clock. Our goal is to continuously have a pipeline of people so that when somebody's like, Hey, we're looking to grow our team. We're looking for a service advisor. Do you have anybody? We say, yeah, absolutely. Here's three people that are ready to go. And of course that's a perfect world. It doesn't always happen, but when it comes to inbound and we post this job ad, I say, I say all the time to my team, it's a little bit crazy for us to think that the absolute perfect person for this job happens to stumble across our job ad at the exact moment we post this job ad, as soon as somebody left our organization, sure, the stars might all align and that might all happen, but the likelihood of that happening is pretty low. At the same time, when we're reaching out to somebody for the first time outbound, I look at when you mentioned that the car analogy earlier, you don't, if you're, if you take that cold call and you buy a car, it's because you're already thinking about buying a car. It's, I do look at that as the same way in recruiting because I think there's a lot of stuff that goes on mentally before somebody applies for a job. Somebody's already sat there, talked to their significant other, or rationalized it internally about why they're not happy in their current organization. They've already thought about, hey, what would it take for me to stay in my current organization? They've come to the point in realization that nothing's going to keep them there. They need to start looking. They start applying. They start going through that process. So by the time they've applied, they've already made that decision. But if we're picking up the phone and calling you cold, you haven't had an opportunity to do that. So it will definitely take a few meetings, a few calls, um, a few discussions before you get to that point and that same point where you're actually ready for that exploratory conversation. You're, you're right. It's, if we don't have those two together, it's not going to work. You need to have that, that constant flow of, of communication. So what are you seeing yeah. in, in terms of your biggest challenges right now 
other than finding candidates, everybody has that challenge, but yeah, finding them. Sure. That's the first challenge. Having them show up to the interview is the second one. <laughs> uh, when we get to that point, having them show up to their first day of work is the third one. We're seeing a lot of ghosting right now. Are you? Yeah. A lot of ghosting. Yeah. And it's, it's unfortunate. It's, it's a bridge people are burning when I don't think they need to. It's a simple text or phone call saying, Hey, I'm not gonna be able to make it. And some are doing that, but a lot are just disappearing off the face of the earth. So. That's one of the biggest challenges we're facing right so now. So where would you say you're seeing the most ghosting? Is it at the first interview or later in the process or is it Should evenly be, spread or? You know, it's a good question. It is a bit evenly spread. Our recruiting team and myself and, and, and our team, we definitely see a lot at our first interview when we're first bringing them in to chat with us to, as that first point of contact into the organization. But then also we have this really good meeting and they show up, they have this really good meeting and we get really excited about the candidate. The candidate is really excited about us. We share the information with the hiring manager. We set up the meeting and we never hear from them again. Yeah. So that's where it's most common. We have a few. We have much less ghosting after an offer's gone out, but it still happens. Yeah. And I think the reason that happens, my opinion on this, it, it may not be right, but my opinion is, I think the reason it's happening is because changing jobs is one of the biggest life decisions that we can make. And yeah. so if your current employer counter offers you, Sometimes it's just easier to stay. Doesn't mean it's the right decision. Typically it's not. There's a reason why you were looking in the first place and more money isn't going to fix that. And there's tons of stats on accepting counter offers. And my six years in an agency will tell me that it never works, but it's just easier for, for some people. And then they, I don't know if they feel bad. They don't want to, I accepted this position. I don't want to call them and, or they don't like confrontation and they don't want to call, but. It's just curious it, to me. It's like the, I, it bothers me when people don't answer emails. It's like, just respond and say no, or respond and say, piss off or whatever. But, yeah. and I know I do it sometimes too. We're all guilty of it, but ghosting is a challenge that everybody's facing. And I don't know what the answer to it is. No, you're, and you're right. And we do quite a bit of confirmation before we book an interview. Now, uh, I know my team does quite a bit of follow-ups, but a lot more time than they used to in the actual booking phase, just to ensure that they're really showing up for that meeting. But you're right. Counter offers are still a huge thing. Uh, I think they're always going to be a big thing. I know one thing that our team does is ask the candidate because of course we're biased, but it's hard for a recruiter to say, Hey, don't accept a counter. Trust me, because we're incredibly biased, but we just tell them to Google it. Yeah. And we just we go Google, should you accept a counter offer? And that's one of the times where Google's our friend and, and, and it will pretty unanimously say, no, don't ever accept a counter offer because like you said, the money's not going to fix it. I actually put a poll up on LinkedIn last week. I don't know if you saw that, but I put a poll up on why people, what would make somebody join a new company and income was one of the choices it was income, growth opportunities, community involvement, and an engaging, engaging work. Uh, community involvement only scored 1%, which was interesting that to me. That surprises me. Yeah. It was about 
250, 300 people responded. It wasn't a huge audience, but still. And community involvement was one. Income was not number one. The growth opportunities was number one by that a That does shot. not surprise me. And that's actually, I know from your previous podcast, you hate the word or the abbreviation EVP. And I wouldn't say this is our EVP, but people always ask, why should we join Go Auto? And my response is always very similar. I think, I think we pay very well. But I think a lot of people pay very well. I think we pay very well. I think our benefits are great. And truly, again, I think they are better than most in the industry. But I don't think that's why people join Go Auto. I think people join Go Auto because when they look at our organization, and we have countless stories to, to back this up, you take a look at our president who started with Go Auto as a parts advisor. You take a look at our SVP of, opera, of dealership operations who started his career as a lot attendant. You look at my SVP, Latha, who started her career in the auto industry as a part-time receptionist. You look at our, our VP of fixed operations who started his career at Go Auto as a journeyman service technician. And, and these are just some of the stories. I share these all the time and we celebrate these because I think that's why people want to change it's, it's, and that, that pull demonstrated it because growth truly is the biggest thing and with growth comes engaging work and more income. You know what? You're a hundred percent. I'm not surprised that career opportunity ranked first. And I don't think I've ever seen a poll or a survey where income ranked first. Like I've seen it ranked down as low as seven or 10. And my opinion on EVP is, is that it's an overused buzzword, I think in recruitment marketing, and it's important to to develop and share a culture, but I think companies are trying to force it too much with employer branding and EVP where I see what your culture is. I could tell what your culture is like because you're putting out funny content and it's, if you guys weren't an open fun place, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't, wouldn't be, be allowed, allowed to, to do, do that. that. It wouldn't feel right. You know what I mean? And. And that's what actually I love because when we created these ads and one of the big things that the content creators and everything that helped us build that we're excited about is most organizations, especially most large organizations, we have over 3000 employees have a lot of red tape and they would look at a lot of these ads and say, they're not professional. You can't yeah. use that. You can't have somebody smashing a car and doing all of these things and crossing lines. When we're finished today, you should check out the video. If you scroll through our LinkedIn page, maybe I'll actually repost it. it it's a video of saying it's a bunch of parents in a support group talking about how successful and wealthy their children are because they became leaders at Go Auto. They're saying, I'm a professional engineer, but my son makes more than me and things like that. And we're able to. We're able to approach lines, cross lines. We're able to add a little bit of shock value in ways that are still, it's still wholesome. It's still good content, but it, it's outside of the norm. And that's what I think is going to really showcase that we're allowed to take risks. We're allowed to do things in our organization that other organizations say no to. And the only thing is we have to fail fast. If we try something and it doesn't work, let's recognize it doesn't work. Let's celebrate the opportunity to try it. But let's pivot fast. And as an organization this size, I don't know of many that can pivot as fast as we do. Yeah, that's cool that you guys can do that. And that's what I'm talking about with, with EVP. What I typically see when people are, are putting this stuff out is employee spotlights where meet Brent and there's written, this is his story, right? Like 
it's that to me is the same as the we're hiring on LinkedIn. Like everybody's doing it. Piss off. Like, I don't believe you. Yeah, I don't. Right. Because it's coming from us. And uh, one thing that we're trying to do a little more of on, uh, and we're starting with LinkedIn is a lot more of go auto sharing our employees stories versus our employees sharing go auto stories. And I think that's going to help us again, showcase that culture of really being a fun place to be because I don't, I think people trust us, but again, when it's coming from the go auto name versus the employees names, I think I you should get into effects. go auto employees sharing, go auto employee stories. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. the more you can give your employees a voice, like, when I used to work in audio, video, retail sales, and you could tell a person that they need this HDMI cable to get a better quality picture on their TV. And they'd be like, yeah, you're just a salesperson trying to sell me more stuff. And then the installer would yeah. go and set it up and he'd be like, oh, did you buy an HDMI cable? No. Okay. Here, I'm going to use mine just to set your picture. And they'd be like, oh, so I really do need that thing. Yeah. <laughs> but if the installer does it, they trust it. But if the salesperson says that they don't trust it and it's that right. way in recruitment i'm in recruitment i'm a salesperson and i'm trying to sell my company and my opportunities to buyers who are candidates and when i say it it loses a little bit of value versus when the installer says it who is the employees saying this is or sharing a video of them at work or whatever. And, and a lot of large organizations are like, oh no, that's not on brand. You can't do that. You can't put that out there and you got to run it through PR and all that stuff. And <laughs> it's just give them a microphone and let them go. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And we encourage it. I encourage my team to put out their own content, raw video, raw pictures, not, not production level quality content. Um, a lot of our stores are really good at it as well. A lot of our employees are really good at it. Not everybody is, not everybody's going to put out great content, but whenever we see any type of content, we're trying to get a little more diligent as, uh, an organization for the main go auto page to share our employees content. Yeah. Let them put it out and then you share it. That's a good strategy. So if you could talk to somebody that's trying to get into recruitment marketing, and that's who we're trying to reach with this podcast is people that are not necessarily active in this world and, and trying to try it out, what would you say? This is typically my go-to ending question. What would you say to somebody that's trying to, to break into this, this strategy, trying to get started and doesn't have the budget for high quality production commercials like you guys do? Yeah, I, I, honestly, it's a good question, but the truth is just start. So start small. Stop doing what you're doing today. Start as small as changing your job at stop having the the same boring three paragraphs of what the company's all about the the 10 paragraphs of what you're going to do in your first 90 days and turn it into a little bit about a, a small snippet of the culture and share that take a picture it's very there's a million free websites out there where you can upload a picture and turn it into a meme do that and just start being yourself allow your personality to come through don't put on someone else's personality, be yourself and just start. And the more you do it, it doesn't take a budget to start. You don't have to pay money to, to share content. You just have to, to start. One of my recruiters was telling our team yesterday that she actually, it was just a quick story. She shared somebody's promotion on LinkedIn. It was a picture of the person congratulated her. It it had 1.2 million views 
and I think it was 80,000 oh. likes. And I'm proud of her for that. She's proud of herself for that. And that didn't cost a penny. It costed her walking up, taking a picture of an employee, saying, can I post this on LinkedIn? Yeah, great. And going. And that's all you really need. You just have to start. Yeah. I, That's my biggest feedback, too, is don't wait until you're perfect to do it. Anything worth doing is worth doing badly. Just do it. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, listen, I really appreciate uh, your time. It's been great chatting with you and I, I need to go back and watch your videos again. So I'll just be spending <laughs> some time man. on the, the uh, go out on LinkedIn page this afternoon. No, I appreciate that. And thanks for having me. It was, it was uh, a lot of fun chatting. All today. right. We'll talk again soon. Hopefully you bet. Take care.